Hello and welcome to Kodish, an exploration of the lives of modern developers. Join us as we dive into topics like languages and frameworks, data and event-driven architectures, and individual and team productivity, all tailored to developers and engineering leaders. This episode is part of our Dev Life series. Hello and welcome. I'm a developer advocate at Heroku. I'm Chris Castle, and I'm joined here by some other uh, awesome Heroki. Uh, Heroku is a bit unique in that 60 to 70% of us are remote employees. So Heroku is what you might call remote first. And um, I've gathered together a few of what I thought were um, folks who had uh, kind of more interesting remote employee stories to share with you. Um, so uh, let's let you all introduce yourself. I am Nicholas Richardson. I am a customer solutions architect based in the UK. My name is John McCarty. I help manage the support team. I live in North Idaho, up near the Canadian border, in the middle of nowhere. My name is Alistair Monk. I'm a user experience principal at Heroku, and I'm based in London, in the UK. My name is Annie Sexton, and I'm on the core support team, so John over here is my manager. Right now, I'm based out of Austin, Texas. Hello, uh, this is Raul Barroso, based in Madrid. I'm a developer, and I've been here for so many years. <laughs> so many <laughs> years. Not remember. More than one. Cool. Well, let's start right in with you, Raul, actually. Mm -hmm. So you had worked both remotely and at HQ. What was it like moving between those two? And like, what are some of the things you miss in each? The transition, I don't think it was that hard because basically by having all the context about what the teams were doing and all of that, it wasn't that difficult. What I found the most difficult is finding my own rhythm, knowing when to start and even where to go to do work, right? Here in the HQ, I knew I, there was an address that I could go to and I had my own desk and I could just do work. And I knew what time people usually started their day. So it was just something scheduled, something prepared, something I could adapt to. Whereas a remote employee, it was more like, okay, do I do it at home? Should I have my own desk? Or should I find a co-working space? You know, all those questions that I needed to figure it out by myself, it was basically the most difficult. I don't think it was by the fact that I transitioning from HQ, whereas if I had joined a company as a remote employee from the beginning, would be, I think, the, the same challenges that I, that I faced. And in terms of what I missed the most, for instance, when the office was really crowded, so I had difficulties on focus. So I don't miss the noise, I guess is what I'm trying to say, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, not saying that people were loud or anything, but you know, sometimes it's difficult to concentrate. So what I miss the most really is the casual water conversations that you had. So for instance, the place that I usually go to, they're technical people, they do similar things to what I do, but they're not working on the same problems. They're not working on anything Heroku specific. So it's hard to get that connection, I guess, sometimes. How have you filled that in, or how do you get that connection working remotely? Things like this conference that we were having, or at least my team tries to meet every other three months. We turn to alternate from Europe to US. Our team is fairly distributed across these two areas, I guess, and so we try to be fair with each other. So for instance, in February, we met in Miami, and then a month ago, we met in Lisbon. So in a more frequent manner, you know, just Slack, obviously helps not the same and obviously the meetings that we frequently have which are stand-ups so having some room for casual conversations make sure we don't we're not compressed we have 30 minutes and we only talk about work at those 30 minutes so that helps how many people of your team or what portion of your team are remote versus at hq i'm glad 
you mentioned versus HQ because sometimes, actually when I used to live here, I used to use the term remote a lot. And I remember Harold, who is someone who used to work at Heroku and I admire so much, basically made me the correction of saying, it's distributed, right? It's like who are local versus who are remote. It's like, mm -hmm. to me, remote sounds like diminishing, mm -hmm. you know, first class citizen is the one who lives in San Francisco and goes to HQ versus the one who, yeah, no, the rest. So there's only one person who lives in San Francisco, Tavares Brown, a product manager of the team, and the rest basically are elsewhere. Um, so that's the distribution. Does your team function well as a distributed team versus yeah. as a co-located, like in the same physical space? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it is true to be said that all of us, I think, are really like experienced. So I think with some guidance, just a little bit, you know, in a meeting, we, we talk about what we need to do and we all just go and do it. Whereas maybe if I didn't have that experience or any other my, my teammates, it would probably be more, a little bit more difficult. So to be fair, some of the challenges that I think we've faced in the past when whenever we, we wanted to hire someone is to think, okay, I think it would be helpful to incorporate someone junior to the team. But at the same time, we ask ourselves the question, do we have the setup that would allow the junior person to succeed? Yeah. So I think that's tricky. That's we're trying to find the, the, yeah, the sweet that's a spot good, there. A good question. We can talk more, but, uh, but let's switch to Alistair now. So you wrote, it was almost two years ago now, yeah, you wrote a blog right. post on the Salesforce blog about remote work. Um, and I think you were fairly new to it or about 18 months into it then. Mm -hmm. And we can, we can share the link to that, to that blog post. But does it still ring true? Yeah, I think so. It's um, so to give it a bit of context as well. This was my first remote job that I ever done. I'd previously worked at a startup in London where we were all in one office. We didn't have any distributed employees. Uh, and I think in my first like twelve months of the company, I just had no idea what I was doing. Like to Raoul's point, like the social aspect of work that you don't really have. Where you like the kind of office ambience, right? Like it just doesn't exist when you are working from home. So I very quickly like eliminated working at home because I really didn't like it, uh, and was uh, looking at like co-working spaces. And I had friends, luckily, that were um, they ran agencies and stuff, and let me kind of sit in the corner. But I didn't really like that either because you you it's you feel even more the difference between their office and their environment and they're all hanging out and having beers and you're just sort of like hi how's it going i'm sitting in the corner as well um <laughs> and a you chair or you just, <laughs> yeah. just in the corner they didn't even invite me in i just uh <laughs> sat behind the curtain um but yeah I, and i think uh in spite of that the the company has a really great remote culture that once you like embrace it and it's really good <laughs> that's the word I was looking for good um, no it's just it's like it's so one of the things that I call out in that blog post is the v2 mum process and how that's kind of combined so this for those that aren't aware of the v2 mom it's Benioff's big thing really it's to drive alignment uh, and it's kind of top-down so he writes his vision uh, it's, it's V2 vision, values, uh, methods, obstacles, measures. There we go. Nice, nice. Uh, yeah, no worries. And uh, he writes one every year, vision for the company, and then his direct reports align. 
they write theirs, but it aligns to his and vice versa. So all the way down through, what, 40,000 employees. So you end up with 40,000 of these documents that all are aligned uh, from the kind of bottom up, right? And I think it's really smart and it's, you know, it sounds a bit consultancy and a bit like, mm, let's matrix this thing. But it's a really great tool to have at the beginning of the year. And then the kind of cadence that we have of these offsites and coming together in person. So whether it's in Miami or New York or in wherever, really kind of like come in and like huddle back together and sort of check in on like, okay, where are we in the year? It's like one quarter in, uh, what did we say we were going to achieve? How far are we along to that? Do we want to change what we think we're going to do this year? And I think that model works really well in, in place of the office environment where it's very easy to just go in every day and see what the goals are and you're constantly talking about them or you hear people talking about what they're up to, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, I don't think like much has changed in the last 18 months other than we've just got better at it, to be honest. Um, and as we all have more experience of working in this way, we're just kind of just getting, yeah, just getting more efficient, getting cool. better. Yeah. Do you think there's anything uniquely challenging for someone working on like user experience design or product design as compared to like the, the engineers uh, who work remotely at Heroku or That's distributed? A good question. Yeah, I think so. I think it's very different because design is set up in such a different way to engineering and even to, to product really. So there's uh, four of us in product design and a design manager that essentially work with the entire engineering organization and the entire product organization. And so uh, we really kind of play a facilitation sort of role, I think, because one of the things I really hate about the job title design is that it implies you are the person that designs everything. And that's not the case at all at somewhere like Heroku, right? Wait, what? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what have we been paying you to do with this? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. At a company like this, everyone designs the product, right? It's the details in everything that couldn't possibly be pre-planned that make Heroku such a great product to use, right? And I think what uh, the role of design is really to just, yeah, like drive and kind of um, curate that product. We're not the people that exclusively design it, but the re remote aspect makes it difficult, right? Because of that distance, ideally, when you are, especially the kind of early stages of designing a product, you, you want a round table, you want to sit around like this, you want to have people sketch things out, how they see them, you want to see how people understand things, uh, and especially the kind of like technical nature of the product. There's no way that I can go away and like learn everything about Kafka and how it's going to be used by all of our customers. It's much easier to have the people that have been working with that product and building it for the last six months have them explain it and how they would use this thing. And then, okay, how would we apply how this person uses this to our entire customer base? So that's probably the biggest challenge is, yeah, whiteboarding, sketching. It's kind of crazy that we, we you know, video conferencing has been around for decades or decade, <laughs> but whiteboarding, there's these like really high tech solutions on like iPads and these devices that Google has made that cost like 20 grand that you roll into a room. Those robots that go around mm -hmm. with the iPad faces, yep. terrifying. Super creepy. Yeah, uh, but nothing is a substitute for, for paper and pen and post-it notes. Yeah, so how do you do paper and pen and post-it notes? Like I've sometimes 
drawn something mm. when I work with like your colleague Charlie, yeah. the designer. I've drawn something, sketched it on like this, I don't know, the back of a bill I have at home, taken a picture of it and then sent it to Charlie in yeah. Slack and said, Can you make this look like Heroku and mm. look awesome? Yeah. Um, but I, mean, I don't know how do how do you guys get around that? Yeah, I I think we're still figuring out to be honest. One of the methods that we've been using recently and kind of trialing it uh, with some of the enterprise features that we've been working on, because they were so, it was the first time they were working in a really large team, so multiple teams and like plus of 30 people working on this one project. And this really became a sticking point, right? When you're trying to convey ideas um, and you can't always, because of the fact that we're distributed, you can't always be in one meeting even, um, because it's you know 3 a.m. in San Francisco and yada yada yada. And we've been uh, kind of in place of informal whiteboarding and sketching. We've been trialing this idea of design proposals, which is uh, a document where we kind of just outline a feature that we're working on. The goals of that feature like why we why are we building this thing in the first place really really short uh, pithy bullet points and then we have this like unresolved section which is essentially a checklist of anyone can go in so ralph for example could go in i don't understand when you click this button where's that going to go um, and he can put this into this document it doesn't get lost in a kind of slack conversation over time and then once a day when we have a stand-up or even kind of asynchronously, we can all check this document, answer those questions in this really structured place. So we use Quip, which is another Salesforce product. It's, it preserves the, so even when that question is resolved, where does this button, where's it gonna take me when I click it? Uh, if anyone else has that question, it's kind of archived there in the going forward. And so yeah, we kind of use that as the sketching, to be honest, those kind of like, questions of how does this thing work we use this kind of really scrappy document that iterates very quickly but it's more structured than just a free-flowing chat room and it also avoids these silos of communication that we get where i'll dial in uh nicholas for example and we'll have a conversation about something agree something but none of the rest of the team is on board with that for example so yeah that kind of like typing out in the open has been pretty successful for us. It hasn't completely replaced what we can get with the pen and paper and getting into a room, but if we can, we can minimize it at least to those on-sites that I talked about. Um, and we can save the really kind of gnarly conversations for, for being together. Yeah, so John. Hey there. Can you tell us about your remote, unique remote work or distributed work experience from, was it last year or two years ago now? Uh, yeah, actually, ago. yeah, so I was, um, just like these guys, this is my first remote job. So, uh, one of, kind of my wife and I, one of our dreams at some point, I don't know when we got it into our head, but like, we had seen somewhere online or seen somebody who had kind of gotten to this point in their life uh, where they wanted to travel and see things and um, we kind of were feeling stuck where we were and saw them working from the road um, and like living in an airstream and traveling around and I was like that sounds really cool but there's this reason there's this reason and all these reasons why we couldn't do it and one of obviously the biggest one was it a remote job 
and certainly not one that would let me do something as crazy as that. And so um, going into my interview process, I just decided like I'm just I'm just going to say I'm doing this thing, and you have to be okay with that's that's part of the part of the, the hiring deal is you're going to let me do this thing. And so I got hired onto the support team as a support engineer and got the job in December. And by March, we had sold our house and um, put uh, basically gave away almost everything we had or sold in a garage sale and packed up the rest in a uh, in an RV and put our kids in there somewhere. And uh, we we did about a year and a half on the road traveling. Basically, did two laps around the West Coast, living out of the RV, and we you know, kind of started and. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Uh, I've never towed anything before in my life. Did, let did alone. you know how to drive? What's that? Did you know how to yeah, drive? Yeah, uh, thankfully, <laughs> had the driving <laughs> thing, okay. That was the first. But but the big big difference between like driving my little Scion XB to then driving like an F-250, like three-quarter ton truck, <laughs> towing 10,000 pounds. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And, you know, it started kind of like the RV park thing, and eventually we met a lot of cool people on the road, other families, a bunch of the people that work remote. Um, Programmers, designers, copywriters, all kinds of different people that we'd run into. We'd meet on Instagram or whatever, and um, and eventually like got a really cool kind of uh, rhythm to um, uh, staying in like national forests and BLM land, like basically free camping um, in the middle of nowhere. Um, gorgeous views. I mean, I, I took I took like it was a, kind of a running joke for our conference calls. We're like whatever, like what's behind John on, during the conference call? Like my favorite was like what's that? What's the Tetons? Like that's just over my shoulder over there, and you know, I'm sitting in a field with a MiFi. Did you spend time kind of scoping out where you were going to be oh, for the meeting to absolutely. make people jealous? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was a really cool it was a really cool thing for us, um, for our kids and for our family, and the ability to I mean you know even going back you know ten years to cell coverage, like some of the places I worked from were nuts that I was getting you know twenty megs down on a MiFi in the middle of nowhere, you know, and there's no way that coverage existed. So like this, this idea of being able to, you know, do the work I'm doing, do good work. I mean, I, I made it a, a point uh, up front, like no one's ever going to ask where John is. No one's ever going to ask the, what kind of work is he doing? I never wanted someone to say like, you know, it doesn't look like you're really doing a whole lot of work. You're just hiking a lot and you're going to have to go buy a house and settle down because this isn't working out, you know? So I would admittedly like overworked my first year. Um, actually got told to like calm down a little bit by my boss um, and uh, it was just it was such a unique experience for us and something we won't, won't ever forget that's cool so how many souls were in this in this van or this uh, RV there was five of us my wife and I and three kids okay. um, I think when we no hit pets. the road no pets no um, we hit the road I think they were seven seven five and two okay so and um how much space or like what kind of what size van or rv are we so, talking about here so funny story about that is that like when we you know we asked around a lot of like we knew a couple other families we knew one specifically that had three kids and it was like what would you like what do you have and what what would you do differently and whatnot and um we bought this 34 foot fifth wheel um which was decently sized like had a little queen bedroom in front and it had like bunk beds in the back a little kitchen area in the middle and everything and and we thought there's no, this is gonna be terrible. Like it's gonna be so hard to get used to coming from, you know, a 2000 square foot house to like a hundred and, it was like 200 square feet. And after probably six months, it started to feel too big. Like just dragging it around in certain places. Like you end up in these, these national parks, you know, the national parks in the US, the majority of the campgrounds of them were built in thirties and forties. They were WPA projects and they weren't used to, you know, 26 feet of truck and 34 feet of trailer and you know so you get in these little tight spots and you're like god this is terrible 
we should just get a smaller trailer. And so after our first year, we sold that and downsized to 20, 26 feet. We're talking about going back out on the road, maybe like part-time, maybe a couple months out of the year. And we're now talking about just a, a pickup truck and like a tent. Um, so like you, you, you slowly get used to like yeah. living in smaller spaces. Um, there's a couple, somebody else at Heroku was asking me like he wants to go on the road with his wife and his baby. And it's like, what should we, what should we start with? And it was like, I don't know how much, how much comfort are you willing to let go of? But yeah, it was, it was a learning experience for us. Yeah. That's cool. You talked about, you mentioned internet a minute ago. Uh, what was your internet expense or, or cost for that? I imagine it's higher than, than, uh, what yeah. it is in living in a house where you have a, a fixed internet connection. Yeah. What's that like? We started out with just our own MiFi that was like 20 gigs for some abhorrent amount of money. It was like 80, 90 bucks a month. And spend most of my day yelling at my kids to not get on Netflix or like policing the internet when you got capped like that. And then eventually wound up getting just a really weird subculture of like leasing or purchasing uh, like old grandfathered unlimited accounts on, on different networks. I won't say whose, I don't get mine taken away. <laughs> yeah, really expensive, unfortunately. But it's, it's just one of the things that you just kind of go into knowing that like, I'm just gonna pay more for my internet as a as an engineer, I got to I got to geek out on installing antennas and Wi-Fi's, all kinds of craziness. That you know, you get these these boosters that can give you you go from one bar to five bars and nothing down to 20, 30 megs down. You get on a rotating antenna and you can point it. It's a directional antenna. Like I, I geeked out on the whole thing. I think I actually spent my my like the the budget that we get for like home office supplies on antennas, nice. um, which was which was pretty fun. Yeah, so that's cool. but yeah, it's a little expensive, but. You can kind of know what's going on. Cool. So how about Annie? You also have an interesting story of distributed work from, I guess it was last year and the year before. Yeah. So uh, for most of 2017, I was a quote unquote digital nomad where I just traveled the world and worked off of my laptop, which had been a dream of mine since I can't remember when, like a long time. And um, Heroku was basically my first remote job. Um, I worked a little bit on my own project remote, um, but I was still definitely still finding my feet. But even before I landed my Heroku job, I had um, just decided that in 2016, in October, I would spend the entire month in Thailand because I need to start putting my money where my mouth is. And so I, like before I even had a job, I had this whole, trip planned and I think I bought I booked a, a hostel for an entire month months and months in advance which let me tell you is far too much planning you do not need to do that but I was like I'm just gonna try it because it you know had, it was a very romanticized idea in my head and I think it is for many people who haven't tried it but you know as as fate would have it I did land this job with Haruka which was very serendipitous and um and because of that I was allowed to to, uh, it helped me work remote for um, a month in Thailand, and that was sort of the stepping stone. Yeah. And I thought, oh my god! And at that point, I had already gotten a lease with, you know, I had an apartment in Austin, and then that was about three months in. And then I went to Thailand, and then I thought, oh no, I can't, I can't keep living in Austin. I need to do this right now. And what's great is um, I had this boss who would, you know, had traveled around America in a van <laughs> with his family. And so when I pitched the idea, actually, you may have pitched it to me a little bit, but um, where you had, you definitely gave me like a- How was Thailand? You should keep doing it. You should keep doing that, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, yeah fine, right. twist my arm, right? Yeah. Um, and so 
you know, with that level of encouragement, I managed to get somebody to take over my lease and off I went. And so in 2017, I, I started in Japan because I used to live there and I was just dying to go back. So I was in Tokyo for about two months and then I was in Bali for an, about another month. Um, Morocco, I met up with a bunch of friends from Thailand from that first trip in Thailand. We all just lived in a big old Riyadh house. Um, and then afterwards I went to Croatia there was a little bit where I was in Slovenia, although I wasn't working during that time. <laughs> that was just a little weekend trip. And then I came back to America for a few months and then promptly went back to Thailand when all of my um, my nomad friends were, were all there. Thailand is sort of like a, um, a home base for many of them because it checks a lot of boxes. But it was a really incredible experience, absolutely. So um, uh, you and John work in support and our customers, Heroku's customers are all over the world. Was that like a pro that we could like have people in different time zones uh, running Heroku support? Um, I definitely think I had it easy. Um, I know that other engineering teams, um, it, it's not quite as, as straightforward because they, there's a lot more collaboration involved. And not that the support team doesn't um, collaborate with each other, but you know, you can, you know, if, if need be, you can be a bit more siloed because you know, you're just answering tickets. Um, it was, I'll say it was hard when I was um, traveling around and I was in time zones where there weren't as many support agents. I mean, the majority of them are in the US time zone, but we still have a, a you know, majority only by a little bit. Like there's still a good like half of us that are in other parts of the world. And um, it was great being able to work directly with them because I got to know them better, which was really cool. But it also meant that there are a few fewer people awake and online who I could ask questions. Um, so that was a bit difficult. But I do think that the nature of my job made it particularly easy. And I and, and that was one of the reasons that I thought I have I have to do this. Like when am I gonna I may not get this chance forever, so I need to do this now. So. Yeah, I had my, my only tricky one for me, because I didn't I really only covered like two time zones in the US. But at one point I had I was in Yuma. So it's like the California Arizona border, which is a time zone split right there, mm -hmm. and the, I was in between two cell towers. So my my clock kept switching, and I kept missing meetings because it was like an hour ahead, hour behind, hour ahead. But with Annie, it was actually really great because she, we were able to kind of like we knew her schedule, and so she was basically floating between our different regions for support. So when she was you know working APAC hours, you know, and she's a month away from going to Morocco and working EMEA hours, we could like tell those guys who are like, don't worry, help us on the way, Annie's going to be in your time zone in a month, and they get all excited, and they'd all get really depressed when like she'd switch time zones, And um, <laughs> but it was it was fun to be able to have her work on those different teams and, and kind of support you know, different regions like that. So how many different places did you visit um, or live okay, in? Okay, let's see. So there was Japan, Japan, Bali, Morocco, Croatia. I didn't really work in Slovenia, but you know, it's one of those countries that I went to. Thailand, and then Panama. Panama was the last of my trip, but I, Panama is another place that I was, it, that was just a vacation. That was just two weeks there, but, yeah. um, just two weeks. Just two weeks, right? Most of the places I was there for about a month or more, but, yeah. um, yeah, those are the places. And I will say it's as glamorous as it sounds and my Instagram looks fantastic because of it's easy to romanticize the lifestyle of working on your laptop on the beach drinking coconut water but mm -hmm. it's it's just not like that like maybe maybe not even half the time it's like that because there's a, so many other things that you don't people will tell you about 
and you just don't know the hardships of it until you live it until you get stuck in Kuala Lumpur because you think that that you're in the right airport but actually there are two Kuala Lumpur airports and there's that whole fiasco and you miss your flight to Morocco and it's an ordeal and then um, moving so frequently where you have to start over and make new friends every single time it's it's and I'm an extrovert and and even then it was really hard for me to start over and so I'm glad I did it because I think in my head it was this perfect lifestyle that would I you know it would just I would be you know ecstatic all the time and it just wasn't like that um I mean I would do it again but it's you know I I think I have a bit more of a clear head about the whole idea yeah I imagine there'd be this like this constant conflict between I want to go explore Mm -hmm. versus um I have to like not get fired from my job (laughs) so I can keep doing this and and living and supporting myself yeah and I'll mention that the best days are the ones where it really does match up with the like your hopes and dreams for that lifestyle which is you do some tickets in the morning and then a friend says hey do you want to go like hang out at an elephant sanctuary and you're like okay yeah. <laughs> and then you go do that for most of the day and then you come back and you do the rest of your job yeah. so I mean not all days are like that and you know that's you know you can't always do the best work when your day is broken up by hanging out with elephants but um, you know it's the best days are they're, they're pretty good they really yeah. are that's cool Switching to our, our last guest now, but certainly not least, uh, Nicholas, you're in the UK. Can you tell us about what's in your backyard? My desk. <laughs> my desk is <laughs> in the why backyard. And why is it in, why is your desk in your backyard? <laughs> so when I started at Heroku, it was the first remote job I'd ever had. And the first few months, I was working from the dining room. And when you've got kids running around in the other rooms, it's hard to focus and hard to uh, um, you know, not be distracted when you're constantly yelling at them to keep the noise down because you're on a call. So I needed to come up with a solution. We didn't have room in the house to put an office. So we were like, we have space in the garden. Let's put my desk in the garden. So we built a summer house, a small summer house, but got space for my desk um, and a telescope. So. It's, uh, yeah, Is it that far little... away from your house that you need a telescope? Uh, yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Is it ready? Yeah, it's I looked through the telescope. <laughs> um, but uh, no, so it's down the end of the garden. It's my kind of haven where I can just go and focus, and um, the kids can be as loud as they want in the house. And, yeah, I know you have questions, but I have, I have questions too. I'm thinking about doing this too. So, like, <laughs> yeah. is this? Nice. Did you like buy like a prefab thing, or did yeah. you build it, or what? So, um, I had to build the kind of the cement base, uh-huh. which required carrying like 50 bags of cement and sand around the back of the house, which was a lot of work. But uh, aside from it's that, paid off, by the way. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. Uh, um, uh, yeah, it was basically prefab, um, and so like a storage shed that you then like insulated and stuff, or was yeah. It- so well, it comes it comes kind of with the skin, like the walls and the ceiling, and then the chaps that came to the guys that came to build yeah, it, guys, 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 <laughs> gents. chaps, the gents, the gentlemen, um, uh, came to build it, and then they insulated it, put flooring in, all the electrics and all that kind of yeah. stuff, and uh, yeah. You're yeah. listening to the Shed podcast. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. 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 Like, this is literally something. <laughs> we went so technical so quickly. There's, there's a, yeah, there's a, there's a great website called Shed Porn, with, uh, which you should probably check out. <laughs> we will link to that in the notes. And we also, I've seen photos of this. That's how I knew actually. about it. Yeah, yeah we'll yeah. share some photos, but it's it looks. I don't know if you're a amazing photographer or if it actually looks as nice as that. But it's. I remember just seeing the the photos of like this. This kind of like tiny home, like beautiful white 
colored sh uh, shed, I guess, or tiny home yeah. with lots of windows, like yeah. lots of natural light in there and these wood floors. And you have your desk, I think, like um, standing, standing desk, desk yeah. kind of standing up, just looking through these windows. And it just looks, it looks like, uh, I don't know, idyllic. This, yeah, this no, it's, it's, it's really nice. And uh, yes, yeah, so the front, is, the front is glass and uh, it looks out over the garden and the house. And, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's peaceful. It just looked like your own kind of private kind of getaway. Exactly. Uh, and it also gives me, I think, one of the things I was mostly concerned about going into a remote job is being able to disconnect work and home and home and work and when I was in the dining room it was really difficult to kind of do that switch between the two and, and do you do you go on the weekends to do quote unquote work yes like basically yes. oh yeah I'm sorry <clears throat> I think I need to go there and do some work right <laughs> yes. emergency work I get it right yeah. Yeah. yes yeah the phone's ringing exactly and so actually being able to kind of even though it's only a 30 second walk out of my back door to my shed it just psychologically it's like I am leaving the house to go start work and then when I come in it's, it's done I yeah. don't have to uh, you leave everything out, in the, out I was gonna say the shed it's a summer house the summer house Do you, yeah. I mean, you leave laptop you leave everything out there sometimes sometimes uh, or sometimes I'll bring in yeah but I think that's that's an important point and we can you know now maybe transition to more general general topics for everyone but like um, I, I live in Seattle and do the remote or distributed thing also. And I have noticed it's very easy to fall into like, you know, I'm, I'm working on something and then I sometimes forget to have like a hard stop at my day, at the end of my day. And I'll be like, oh, I'm just gonna go like move to the couch and maybe I'll eat some food. And then I'll maybe like watch TV for 30 minutes and then I'll kind of slide back into work. And um, after I've done that for a few days or it becomes a pattern, I it is like has lowered my quality of life. Yeah. I feel like I don't have this kind of nice separation and, and it feels to me like I'm working too many hours also. And so uh, working distributedly or remotely out of your home, at least that's been like kind of one of the big learnings for me is kind of this discipline in setting my own schedule rather than just being like maybe part of the rat race that that's like kind of does the commute in and works and then commute out and home. Yeah, that's what I was saying when I was uh, talking and saying I didn't like working from home. That was pretty much those uh, the exact same thing because yeah even though I'm distributed or remote or whatever I'm based in I'm going to the Salesforce office pretty much every day and so you do have that very kind of clear separation between work and home uh, or if I'm not in the like I'll spend maybe the morning in the Salesforce tower there and then an afternoon in a cafe or something but it's kind of you don't have that difficulty as much which which I did have in the first like six months of, of being here where yeah you're kind of back to Annie's point as well like you it sounds amazing oh I'm working from home but when it's like 11 p.m. and you've like oh right yeah I need to like sleep and stuff it's uh yeah setting boundaries isn't it and kind of sticking sticking yeah. to those boundaries yeah. like the question basically it's like saying when 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 is enough like when I'm done with work right you know, what are the signals uh, that could tell you, okay, this is enough, not only the amount of hours that you probably spend on, on the day, but also actually saying, okay, this is what a, a, a full day of work looks like. Mm. Yeah, it really demands a level of self-awareness that you didn't really know you needed until you, suddenly there are no boundaries and yeah. it's your job to set them. Yeah. yeah. The only difficulty or the wish to have an office inside the house now is two days a week I do kind of a split day where I'll work Tuesdays and Wednesday evenings, so I get a bit of crossover with the US. Mm -hmm. um, 
and working in the office when it's all dark outside and you know I can't see anything out the windows and I'm waiting for someone to you know come up with a, like a ghost mask and freak me out um, that's when I wish I had an office in, in yeah. the house so I wasn't like stuck yeah. in the back here yeah, now so. all of a sudden I want to know where you live I was going to say what's your address <laughs> 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 to, just to make a trip you know? <laughs> we'll finish up just with like a few kind of like shorter answer questions so for each of you what is if you had to choose one piece of advice to to give to people who are interested in remote work or want to or thinking about doing some sort of remote distributed work, uh, what what would that be? So just a couple sentences. Start with you, Nicholas. Uh, I think again, it's kind of setting those boundaries. Yeah. I think that's the key thing, and knowing you know when your day starts and um, when it ends. And if you are working inside your house, I think just the psychological maybe go for a walk around the block before your day starts and when your day ends walk around the block again is yeah that psychological kind of like switch yeah the airlock as I call it yeah yeah go through so, the airlock John um, I think for me it's 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 been a big kind of shift for me and my mindset around work where it's similar it's, it's it's kind of knowing going into it with boundaries but for me it's also making sure to take advantage of the fact that I do work remote and there there's there's a lot of things that I'm able to do because I don't have a commute where you know I take my kids to school in the morning and that's important it's something I didn't I wasn't able to do before I would I would leave I mean when my oldest was really little I would leave before she was awake and I'd come home when she was in bed already and it's like you know now I have the opportunity to do that and so yeah I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna take my kids to school and have that time or I manage people in APAC so it's like I'm gonna take a two-hour chunk in the middle of my day I'm gonna work shift and do hours in the afternoon and I'm gonna take this chunk and you know go on a date with my wife in the middle of the day or like just to take advantage of that. I think it's really easy to to not be intentional about that. And as a result, you, you kind of like what Al was saying, like you just end up kind of doing exactly the same thing that you were doing before. Um, and now it's even harder if you don't have those boundaries where it's like, oh yeah, it's 11 o'clock. And I'm actually, like you were saying, like my quality of life has actually gone down because I'm not taking advantage of, of my ability to, to shift my hours or take advantage of life around me during yeah, the day. The extra know? time that yeah. not having a commute creates, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I think it's about culture, really. Like having, if I, I was thinking, if you, uh, if I was gonna go start a company now, for example, I think remote is definitely the way forward. You can hire the best people in the world. Uh, I think you ultimately can end up with a much happier workforce than you can create in an office. And yeah, having that culture of alignment and discipline as we've kind of all talked about as well, um, but also of like creating the, sp the spaces and the opportunity for like ad hoc conversation at work, even though we're not together. For us, that's things like Slack and um, occasionally we have these, we actually have a scheduled time in our calendar around design for just water cooler time, which is kind of, yeah, insane. Cool. But it's like a scheduled one hour. You can just drop into the hangout, and uh, so people will be there chatting about what they did this weekend, or you know, model battleship they're building, or whatever it is that people do. And uh, yeah, I think it's really key to have those things and to really deliberately build them into your like life, essentially. Yeah, yeah, being deliberate, I think, mm. is is important. Uh, Deliberate and discipline. Joan and the other developer advocate and I also have, um, we've done a scotch happy hour. We're both in the same time zone. He's right. in Portland, I'm in Seattle, but we've done a scotch happy hour over Google Hangout just to like 
not have topics to talk about just to check yeah, in. It's really nice idea. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, otherwise every communication becomes about work. Yeah. Um, and I think it's important to to have some downtime in that. Yeah, great. Cool. I think that it's important to set boundaries where you need to, but also realize that as a remote employee or not employee, you know, you have a lot of freedom and that can be kind of intimidating just like a blank piece of paper can be a little bit intimidating when yes. you're trying to write something yeah and so learning to um listen to how you actually work because i think it's tempting to feel like you actually have to put in eight hours every single day or more um and the reality is you know unless you're being timed for that time you know for that work um you can work whenever you want to and you need to pay attention to when I do this, when I work out in the morning, do I get more work done or does that actually drain my energy or should I work out you know, at a different time or should I spend time with people in the morning or in the evening? And just playing with all the different knobs that you can to figure out the best um, way to make you the most efficient worker is really important. Cool. Yeah, I definitely agree with Amy. Um, it's an iterative process, right? Like it's not like, okay, uh, like I said uh, at the beginning, uh, it's not, there's not tight the schedule. It's not, you know, prepared. So you know what rules to follow. It's, it's, you basically have to come up with your own rules. So a piece of advice that I would tell uh, to someone who's uh, thinking about starting as a remote employee is to apply to a job that uh, that person is motivated to do regardless. Because it's not about really uh, located versus distributed. It's really about are you passionate passionate about what you're doing, right? Like if, if you if you have the chance to work at 9 p.m. Uh, because you spend most of your morning running errands or, or you know doing workouts, you have to be diligent and you have to be passionate about like actually even even you might feel tired, you you are excited about doing that work at 9 p.m. So you know it's not okay uh, if you go to remote work or all those sites that offer. Uh, positions that, that you can do remotely uh, instead of just looking for exclusively okay who, what are they what are the places that allow or, or hired remote employees is more about um, okay I'm interested in doing this type of work uh, I'm passionate about that let me see you know scope it down from there and to see what companies offer uh, that that you know type of job really uh, otherwise it doesn't matter if you're at home uh, if you couldn't actually work from home because you're gonna last for too long, yeah. right? You're gonna be bored. You're gonna start checking in internet, uh, you know, Google things and like, oh, well, my day is done. But then your job will be also done if you don't actually do the job. Yeah, So it sounds like you're, you're speaking to like, people need to have kind of some intrinsic motivation to do their job and do it well. Yeah, absolutely. You're not gonna get that from the, the buzz of the office. Yeah, and I would argue, in, in a, and I'll conclude with that, it's just basically uh, you have to be extra motivated because you won't have to feel, you know, the peer pressure. Like when you go to an office, you might like feel like oh, laying down and going for a nap on your own chair, maybe. But you don't do that because you're in an open space and, you know, there, there are certain rules <laughs> you should follow. But uh, at home, you, can, you have that freedom. You might have the couch right behind you and, and you might feel like, oh, I'm going to actually take a nap. But again, you have to do work. So you have to really be uh, passionate about what you're doing, but just to, to actually stay in the chair and do the work instead of just being yeah. Cool. Well, thank you all for, for joining and discussing your work as a distributed employee. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Kodish podcast. Kodish is produced by Heroku, the easiest way to deploy, manage, and scale your applications in the cloud. If you'd like to learn more about Kodish or any of Heroku's podcasts, please visit us at heroku.com slash podcasts. 